The following is brought to you in part by MFC Studios. The views of the show's host and guests do not necessarily reflect those of the management, owners, or staff of this radio station. And now, it came from the radio. And welcome to the Enjoy Camp from the Radio, the official of the Big Apple Con. This is your host, Mark Torres, speaking. With me, via virtual distancing, we have none other fishy talk cabin, Bell Eagle Finish Man Toronto. You owe it to pay, everyone. You owe it to pay. And we have none other than no man doing fielding. Poi today, poi today. On this week's show, we have another Jay Bird and Lee segment. And we have uh, me, which is Mark, interviews comic book creator Chris Burgos. And in, on top of that, we also have uh, myself, Jenny Feldy, and senior correspondent Charlie Saladino doing our Tropic Con wrap-up. But before we do any of that, we have to take it away with the news. It's Morphin' Time! The news is brought to you in part by your fine folks of Sci-Fi.Radio. That's Sci-Fi for your Wi-Fi. So the fine the Big Apple Con, which we are the official radio show of, celebrating over 25, six years of complicated and pop culture stuff. For more information, go to www.bigapplecc.com. The next convention is scheduled for December the 17th, and that is the Big Apple Christmas Con. And also, we're going to have a shout-out to our patrons, of which there are Danny Grillo, Lord Wing Director Jared Burrell, Kyle Horn, Millie Portes, Newsday, Famous Risen Media, Unchikun, Shadow Ray, and Rosa. I'm going to have your own little shout-out. Go to our website, www.campfrenet.com, and there's a little button on there to take you right to our Patreon page, and you can get a shout-out on our show. All right, so let's see. We start off with the sad news, as we always do. We took a sad news this week. Um, actress, model, and activist Sachin Littlefeather died recently of breast cancer. Uh, for those of you who are paying attention, we actually mentioned her just a few weeks ago on our very own show. Uh, she was a Native American woman who came out during the Oscars in 1973 to decline the Best Actor Award for Marlon Brando. Uh, we reported that the Oscars, after waiting 50 years, had written an apology letter to Sachin, which was to be read in full on air during the 9, uh, September 17th uh, evening of healing with Sachin Littlefeather. Um, of note, in 2018, Sachin developed stage four breast cancer, which was a recurrence of the breast cancer that she was reported to be in remission six years earlier. In a 2021 interview, he said that the cancer had metastasized and she was terminally ill. So that makes her 75 years old. R.I.P. It's crazy how... Um, we were just talking about it. So I was like, oh, we are just talking about something? We were just talking about her. Yeah. Maybe I wonder what her symbol. People. Right. What was they say people have symbols when they die. Sometimes if you see feathers, it means that there's like a spirit around you. So maybe little feathers will show some people some feathers. That's the one way to say it. I got nothing. You got nothing. All right. So we're going to. Not after that. I don't know. I don't know what to say after that. (laughs) All right. (laughs) I just think, you know, I I guess it's good that she was alive to get the apology, but 50 years. Come on, man. (laughs) Yeah, 50 is a little bit long. 
So better late than never. Well, yeah, and it was almost never. So moving on from uh, second uh, and the last bit of sad news. And oh, this is messed up. That's why. Okay. So uh, rapper and actor Coolio also died recently as of this recording, which is uh, October the 5th, 2022. No cause of death has been announced. While you may have seen him in such shows slash TV, such movies slash TV shows as On the Line, Judgment Day, Leprechaun in the Hood, Shriek If You Know What I Did Last Friday the 13th, it's a parody movie. In Pursuit, Gangland, Stealing Candy, Sex in the Studio, Part 2, Dracula 3000, Pterodactyl, Three Days to Vegas, Chinaman's Chance, America's Other Slave, Lord of the Freaks, Dangerous Minds, the TV series, Cooking with Coolio, and Coolio Rules, and Star Ving, just to name a few. He is perhaps best known for his uh, singles, Fantastic Voyage, and of course, Gangsta's Paradise from the film Dangerous Minds which uh, contain a sampling from Stevie Wonder's 1976 single, Past Time Paradise. Of note, in 2009, Coolio released a cookbook titled Cooking with Coolio, Five Star Meals at a One Star Price. He was 59. Come along and ride on a fantastic father. Do you think that song <laughs> played when he got into heaven? Do you think I he got into heaven or hell? <laughs> of course. The question is, is he now in a gangster's paradise? Oh. (laughs) R.I.P. I did like the song. Uh, Obviously, it's what uh, made Weird Al Yankovic was his most popular song, if I'm not mistaken, which is um, Amish Paradise. But he always seemed like a really good guy. And just based on interviews, it's really sad that he died at such a young age. He was a very talented person. My favorite, I think, is... um white and nerdy by weird al but i think that's better but yeah amish paradise is up there yeah so that's it for the sad news so let's move on to not as sad news oh really i'm not uh i don't feel like like the character one of the characters in airplane yet (laughs) so from the that's a lot of nuts department that's your favorite department it, it's it's the most popular it's not my favorite um the new horror film smile has taken the number one spot in the domestic box office pulling in 22 million dollars in ticket sales in its first week of release knocking off the new olivia wilde film don't worry darling from the top spot for those of you keeping track the new top gun sequel is still the highest grossing film of 2022 with 713 million dollars followed by the doctor strange sequel with 411 million dollars the aforementioned smile comes in at number 39 and don't worry darling is at number 33 have you mentioned i know you don't watch the horror films so do you watch horror films there jen no i just make them it's too scary to watch them just uh, all right fair enough fair enough so um, obviously these two movies are not going to be uh, the ones to to knock off uh, Top Gun from the top slot. And we still have the big ones coming up. So the ju- the jury is still out if Top Gun will hold on. I don't know, man. I mean, it was pretty good. A lot of people saw it multiple times. So Who's this jury? Who's this jury who cares about Top Gun stands? The jury, the jury of, of people public with- opinion. <laughs> Not public opinion. These are people who paid down, like whether good, bad, or indifferent. They put their money down, and that's what it is. Just doesn't make. It's just that the highest, the highest grossing film. It doesn't mean that it was a good movie. It just means that it made the most money this year. Well, it kind of implies that it was sort of good that it made that much money. 
Um, not necessarily. If you have a really good marketing campaign and people are dumb enough to go see a movie multiple times before the, the logic sets in, you can make a high grossing movie. Well, you and I will agree to disagree as my favorite movies are all won Academy Awards and your favorite movies went direct oh, to video. actually good movies. So, you know, that's just the yeah, whole thing. Uh, no, your movies are terrible. Your movie, from the, so moving on, from the, it's I imagine that's a world record to be oh, proud yeah. of. <laughs> the Guinness Book of World Records announced that none other than actor and performer John Cena has just set a new Guinness World Record for his 650th Make a wish, wishes granted for the Make a Wish Foundation. Based on his previous record of 500 in 25 in 2015, John is averaging 21 wishes per year. Uh, John says, <clears throat> "I just drop everything. If I can offer a fantastic experience, I'll be first in line to do my part. I want them to have an experience that will stay with them forever. I don't ever want the children or families to be treated in a way where they feel as if they're up against anything at all." According to the foundation, descriptions of a typical wish granting uh, from John ranges from high five, so you know you meet him, meet and greet, championship belts, and even wrestling tickets. So that's kind of cool that he managed to do that many in such a small amount of time. Yeah, it's funny. As someone just mentioned to me his name, and I was like, he seems like a nice guy. I'd be surprised if he wasn't. Look at that. There we go. Yeah, I think it's really amazing considering that you can't see him. (laughs) It's funny. Nice. Nice one. Thank you. Thank you. So moving on. For those out there who don't know what I'm talking about, the invisible he would man? do that on the he would do that while he was wrestling. He's like, You can't see me. Uh-huh. And like wave his hand in front of his face. And it uh-huh. became a thing where the joke is you can't see him or anywhere mm-hmm. where he goes. Ah, oh, I gotta start doing that. I like that. <laughs> so moving on from the You have failed me for the last department none other than actor james earl jones has signed over the rights to his voice to filmmakers using new artificial intelligence technology for any future star wars related projects so in other words he no longer has the rights to his own voice and they can use it in perpetuity to make star wars dark Vader stuff well he's like 91 so and he knows that Star Wars is going to keep on going. He knows that they're going to end up using his uh, needing Darth Vader's voice for numerous things, more films, more TV shows, certainly more uh, video games. So I'm sure he got handsomely paid. I don't blame him. I mean, 91, how much, how much more can he actually do? But that's that's the thing. Like we're going to a point where you don't need the actors anymore to do acting. That's a it's a slippery slope, and I think this might be a bad thing in the long run. While it's nice that you're using his voice to continue Dark Vader forever. Now, as we know, Hollywood's love to do. They will milk that sucker to all ends of the world, and it's actually cheaper for them in the long run because they don't have to hire another actor. They don't have to train another actor. They don't have to worry about the actor not showing up for work, being sick, any of that stuff. So in the long run, it's actually making a steal for using his voice in automatic uh, technology. Yeah, ah. already, first of all, Star Wars has been milking money out of the fans since 1980. So that doesn't shock me and at all. I mean, 
that's how Star Wars became Star Wars. And they've already been doing the deep fake uh, stuff to make Mark Hamill look like he did in 1983. Right, so, the aging process, but they still had to have an using, actor stand in for that, for the motion capture. Yeah, well, you could still have an actor, like Hayden Christensen was in the suit. So they've had other people in the suit. What does that matter? And they've been doing something like that with Mark Hamill's voice to make it sound younger than it is. Right, so, but he still did the voice. That's what I'm saying. So now it's it's a, it's a slippery slope. So, Jen, what do you think about being replaced by artificial technology here? I mean, if they could use it and then pay me, that's great. But if they're going to use it and then cut me out, it's like uh, I'm going to have to kill this AI because <laughs> the AI is taking my job. So where does this AI live? I'm going to have to, you know, have to send it a message, as Michael Dow would say. So it's it's funny because that is actually happening with uh, voice actors in particular. Um, we had voice actors on the show not too long ago. And um, I just saw that they have a service now that uses artificial AI technology for voice acting roles. And their, and their uh, selling point is that you don't have to pay the actors. So I think I, I really think this is a, a slippery slope to go down. And I think we're going to be hearing more about it as we carry on. That's wild. Could you imagine that commercials are just done by AI who are done with voice acting and all these voice actors that work so hard, like that's it, they're done. Yeah, it's wow. technology taking yeah. over. What happened? They said the same thing about photography ruining people who could paint, though. So this happens all the time. Well, it's funny you should mention that, Dominic, because our next uh, bit of news, so from the... Man and Machine Power Extreme Department. Who's um, this editor we're talking about? <laughs> the editor is actually editing the show afterwards and putting in all the little bells and whistles to our show and oh. putting it together. It is, uh, Abby Gabato. That's oh. uh, my editor for the comic book and also for the, the radio show. Abby? Abby, yes. I like the name Abby. So shout out to Abby. Shout out. Anybody but you. Um, so photographer Chris Cash Tanova, C A S H T A N O V, Cash Tanova has claimed that they, uh, as she is stated to be non binary, has secured the first ever US copyright for a comic book creating using AI technology for the 18 page comic book called Zaria and Azoria of the Dawn. Uh, Chris says, I was open to how it was made. And put Midjourney, which is the company's AI technology, on the cover page. I tried to make a case that we do own the copyright when we make something using AI. Uh, experts are quick to point out, however, that the paperwork doesn't clearly state what the AI's role in the book, but is that it was quote-unquote AI-assisted. Uh, nevertheless, the copyright stands, and while they can legally make money off of it, the book is actually available for free online. Um, all the images were created using AI. But Chris was the one who assembled the images into a comic book format. Uh, the online community has already translated the book into 15 languages so far. Hmm. So now we're copywriting artificial intelligence. Yeah. Wow. Maybe you can marry them too while we're at it. <laughs> maybe, maybe we can replace the president with AI. I think that would actually be a great idea. Maybe, maybe they already have. So this is so this is a, a another precedent about something that I was uh it's just mentioning before, but um quickly, you know that they have self-driving cars. 
And the self-driving cars are, are made to do certain things at certain situations. And sometimes the operator can't override those situations. So there is no legal precedent as to where the fault lies if the AI does kill somebody or causes a crash. So let's say, you know, what is it, the, the, the train thing? There's like, you know, do you kill one person or do you kill five people that you don't know, that type of thing? So when the insurance claim comes in, who's at fault? The maker of the AI, the, the, the car itself, or the driver who has no control over it, but is the one in the car? Ah. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's getting to, to that way. So, yeah. Ah. All right. So that's finally, that's this, a tough one. This is a good one, finally. The, From, making, the using AI, though, to make art has already it's, it's begun. And like people are now winning like prizes using AI. Right. But you know, yeah. it's copyrighted. So that makes it a legal entity. So, like, you know, when mm -hmm. businesses or a legal company have to pay taxes, now an AI is going to be a legal entity because they're mm. copyrighted. It's, it's very, like I said, it's not, not, going, not going well. Well, the way it works is though, you got to put in the text that the AI chooses to create the image out of. So like there is some sort of like creativity on someone's end. Yeah. I mean, you can't do one without the other. It's not solely AI as of yet. Mm, yeah. All right. Yeah, so let's listen, we're all going to be in the matrix soon and just get used to it. All right. Fair enough. So let's see. We have got like nine so minutes. Long. Okay. So we're going to see if we can get to this. Uh, this is a really good one. From okay. the maybe alienating the paying customers wasn't a great idea after all department. In a recent interview, none other than Elizabeth Banks shared her thoughts on why Charlie's Angel reboot, which she wrote, directed, and starred in, was a failure at the box office. When doing things in, uh, Elizabeth says, when doing things in Hollywood, it becomes the story that I was creating some feminist manifesto and that I was making an action movie and that I would have made Mission Impossible, but women aren't directing Mission Impossible. I was able to direct an action movie, frankly, because it starred women and I'm a female director. And that is the confine right now in Hollywood. I wish that the movie had not been presented for just girls, but I didn't make it for girls. It was a disconnect on the marketing side for me. Of course, just before the movie originally came out, Elizabeth had this to say about her movie. I honestly feel that the property has all the bona fides of feminism already built in. One of the statements this movie makes is that you should probably believe women. We have such validity, validity and that we're feeling on how to go about living our world and what is really important to me, and that we felt like we had good characters and being taken seriously, giving a chance to the best life. When we were casting a movie, I really wanted fresh faces. I wanted a diverse cast. It is important that women, the audience for this movie, see themselves in some part of this movie. I think that's important. I want the audience to feel a sense of ownership over the film. It's a real message. It's a movie that I want to name all audiences, but I did make something that felt important to women and especially young girls. After the film was released, Elizabeth said, look, people have to buy tickets to this movie too. This movie has to make money. If this movie doesn't make money, it reinforces a stereotype in Hollywood that men don't go see women do action movies. They'll go see a comic movie with Wonder Woman and Captain Marvel because that's a male genre. So even though there are movies about women, they put them in the context of feeding a larger comic book world. So it's all about, yes, you're watching a Wonder Woman movie, but you're setting up three other characters or we're setting up the Justice League. Um, I think she's trying to have her cake and eat it too. She went one way and then the movie didn't do good. So she went the other way. Uh. 
don't know. I, I, I didn't pick up on that, but she just lost me at, you know, something about believing women. It's like, don't make a movie to believe women. I mean, women and men uh, both lie. And I don't think that I should believe either one. But she specifically said this movie is for women. And then she's like, men don't go see movies because of uh, it. Oh, she said it. that before it came out? It's she, said that be- she said it before it came out that it was for women. Uh, when it came out, she's like, men have to go see this movie too because we need to make money. Uh, and then now, which is I think a year and a half later or so, she's like, eh, the marketing uh, made it that it was a, a statement about women when it really wasn't. Uh, no, you stating uh, it was about women made it about women. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and like the previous Charlie's Angels movies that came out were women doing action and were big hits. Yeah, and Drew Barrymore was so, the producer on the film. Maybe it wasn't that it was a movie with women doing action. Maybe the movie just sucked. Yeah, yeah. And don't come out with a, a men's shoe line and then be upset that women aren't buying it or vice versa, you know? Right. Yeah. Maybe women aren't interested in going to see action movies that much. I don't know. Maybe they are, but maybe they weren't interested in seeing these three particular women in action movies. Maybe people just didn't want to see Kristen Stewart. Yeah, There's interesting. So many things. Why? But. The the narrative, if you remember, I, I remember it specifically, how this was supposed to be like the feminist action movie. That was the marketing campaign. It was feminist action movie made by a feminist with all women in it. It's all about women empowerment. Go women. And then nobody wants to see the movie. So they also forget half the women in America don't see themselves as feminists. So is that true? Half the women? Well, which half are you, Jen? Are you I'm not. A, I'm not for any group. No, no thanks. See, you're in that half. I'm not sure if I'm for the human group. Yeah. No. Well, would you go see a, a feminist uh, action movie with female-led stars made by a female director because you're a female? No, <laughs> I would see it if I want to see it or, or not. And, and if it says anything about being for female, now I have more reason not to see it or just to see it to heckle it. <laughs> I think the moment really that you mean. put like a cause ahead of the storytelling the movies are already going to be terrible yeah i agree you know it's it's just like at the end of Endgame, and they forced in that scene where it's like the the women like we've got this now no it was terrible it was so forced and then on the flip side you had the mandalorian about a year or two later that naturally made it progress within the script that it was for women handling the end battle you know there's a a difference between like being heavy-handed and just forcing it into the the story and then actually naturally progressing the story so it all works and it all makes sense which is kind of funny if you think about it because in infinity war there was a female moment and that wasn't forced it was very natural Mm -hmm. when uh, wanda and uh okoye was fighting um uh, and then um, they're like, why wasn't she in the battle? Like, they made it into a thing, and it wasn't for So they know how to do it. There's probably right. a studio mandate on what they had to get done. Yeah. So actually, this uh, I'm going to do my final thought in uh, in a second. This will be my final thought, because we have about two minutes to go. So Bill Burr, a uh, very, quote-unquote, controversial comedian, said 
that people are complaining that the women of the WNBA are not getting paid as much as the men. Mm. He says, well, do women go see WNBA movies? Right. They, they have to promote and support what they're talking about. Otherwise, it doesn't make any sense. So the women are to blame for women-led stuff not doing well that are only about the women. Because if you yeah, look no, at, you know, sports games, the, the lingerie bowl, if you guys remember that, which was women in lingerie mm-hmm. playing football, didn't do well either. Right. So uh, let's see. Uh, Dominic, you have a final thought with a minute less to go? Yeah, I'm going to piggyback on what you said because I saw that special and he made a point. He's like, you know, the women's soccer, the WNBA doesn't get promoted because it doesn't make the money that the NBA or even men's soccer make. It doesn't matter what the gender is. It matters. Do you make money? Yeah. If you're not making money, then it, do, it, it, it doesn't matter. <laughs> so if the product isn't good and it's not making money, it's not because it's a feminist product or whatever. It's because you didn't do your job well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jen, final thought, 30 seconds left. This makes you think of for us, by us. Remember FUBU? And it's like, don't be surprised that other people aren't buying FUBU when it's called for us, by us, Elizabeth Banks. So with that, we're going to take our break, and we'll be right back with the King from the Radio. Hi, you've heard my voice open and close the show. Now we want to hear your voice. If you have a business or product, you can record a commercial here. We offer 30 and 60 second spots. For more information, contact Mark at MFC underscore studios at hotmail.com. Neural net processor is linked to sci-fi.radio, sci-fi for my Wi-Fi. The more I listen, the more I learn. Now, back to our show. Hey, this is Jaybird and Lee, and we're here to talk about movies, music, TV, and what's going on in our part of the world. Today, we're going to talk about Doctor Strange with special guest, Riley! Yep! <laughs> so, what was your favorite part of it probably when they're going through those weird hyperspace lanes or whatever they yep, are dimensions and, yeah dimensions and it was like they were paint they were like tissues they were yeah it was very know. very cool so basically it was just dimension hopping so dr strange into the multiverse i'm assuming that's that yeah. was basically what it was about and they were hopping dimensions at one point and America yeah. and Doctor Strange were falling through um, dimensions, which was, like, incredible. So, basically, sometimes they turned into paint. Other times they turned into... Um, Paintings. <laughs> um, like, dots. Or it could have been just different types of matter. Maybe a black and white dimension. It was very, very cool. What, what was your least favorite part about the movie? Um, mm, when America was introduced. (laughs) (laughs) You know what mine was? What? Because, like, when Dr. Strange said, we are saving, we have to save America. Oh, yeah, that that was a funny one. Is it literally? No. (laughs) So, basically, one of the characters was named America. But he was like, we have to save America. 
Like, what do you mean? Yeah, Which like, America do we have to save? Yeah. I found the name sort of funny. I think she might be in, like, a comic book or something. Oh, That's yeah, why she, she was introduced. Is. Yeah, but it's But just it wasn't... It was sort of random. Yeah. Like, you... If you don't know the comic books, you just... Yeah, you don't know her. Like, she just comes in and you're like, who is this? Yeah. It's... Like, other characters, at least they introduce who they are. Like, you yeah. find out really who she is and what her background is later on. Well, yeah, it's weird. She has two moms and stuff. Well, yeah, I guess that's just their way of, like, promoting diversity in it. But, um, it's, it was a, it was a decent movie. I didn't like it. I think my other favorite part, though, was when they were looking through their memories and they were walking through that. Oh, you mean, like, when Wanda was looking through her memories and stuff? No, when... They hopped dimensions. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were able to see their memories. It was like yeah, a little like, game. Like, you step on something and you can yeah. see your memories. It's pretty cool, actually. And, yeah, I was like, it's very interesting to you see. You know what my other favorite part was? What? Well, I guess I didn't say my other favorite part, but this is my favorite part. Mm-hmm. When Picard came in it. Who's that? The guy in the wheelchair, X-Men. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, that's Professor X, but you could also call him Picard in Star Trek. Yeah, well, uh, no, that was interesting, actually. I was surprised that uh, yeah, they, like, morphed think... worlds with that. Yeah, I didn't think he was going to come in. Though, uh, with Wanda, it was sort of like a horror movie. Cause... Well, yeah, she was, like, killing everyone. <laughs> yeah, but she just, like, wanted her ki- her children. Yeah, but, like, she she made them up. In WandaVision. Yeah, true. I don't know. She was definitely... I think she was going insane. She she was. But then at the end, she realized that she made a big mistake. Yeah, and she killed herself, so... She didn't kill herself, but she was gonna... Didn't she technically? No. Remember? The building came crashing down on her. She was still alive. How are you alive after a building crashes down? She's a witch. What? She's a witch. Witch is. I know she's a witch, but you don't just survive a building crashing down on you. Oh, you're meaning at the ending. Yeah. Oh. Uh, <laughs> oh. Uh, well, I don't think witches would survive that. Nah, but she's lucky she could. Well, the building. I, d- I doubt it. Well, remember but... when the tower fell down? Like a huge thing fell down yeah. off the cliff. Like, that building pro- fell down, but she could have st- st- She was underneath it. She purposely stayed underneath. Yeah. 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 So she died. No, she didn't. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay, so, aside from this debacle about if Wanda's alive or not, <laughs> um, the movie was, it was good. Um, I definitely, I think it was okay. Yeah, it was okay. I mean... The end, so you know how there's an end scene? Yeah. Like, after the credits? I have no idea who that person was. Who was it? Like I think they're just introducing characters, because they have no, remember the purple girl? She had a purple suit on, and was like, we have to save the multiverse. I don't remember. But anyways, I think they're just introducing comic book characters. Well, they they are, they they always do that. She-Hulk, Aldenary, at law... Well, She-Hulk now. Yeah. That's that's basically what it is. She-Hulk. That was in the yeah. old comic books. Dad has a comic book downstairs. Yeah. I don't know. They might be running out of material, in my opinion. 
They're not because they're bringing in all these new characters from the comic. Yeah, but I feel like it's dragging it out. Well, yeah, they kind of messed up because a little bit because like it was good with the old Avengers. Captain America died. Uh, I well, like everyone's dying at this point or retiring. It's either or. <laughs> well, uh, Hulk he didn't retire. He's still in it, but like yeah, and and a lot of people are still alive. Black uh, Hawkeye he's still alive. Didn't like, he die? No. Hawkeye didn't die. It was Black Widow who died. No, it was? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was. And also your favorite character in Avengers, uh, Gamora, died. It's Guardians of the Galaxy, man. No, she died in... Oh, she died in Avengers. No, I mean Infinity Infinity War. Yeah. But anyways, so that's our Marvel, um, basically, appropriation at the moment. We still got more. All right, well, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay connected. Bye. The Comic Book Depot has been in business since 1993. Your one-stop comic book shop for comics, gaming, and collectibles. The Comic Book Depot club membership is $15 and gets you 15% off new comics, back issues, graphic novels, and 10% off comic book supplies. Located at 2847 Jerusalem Avenue in Wontaw, New York. Contact us on Facebook for curbside pickup because new comics are back. For more information, give Alan a call at 516-221-9337. The Comic Book Depot. Now, back to our show. And welcome back to Came From Radio, the official of the Big Apple Con. This is your host, Mark Torres, speaking. I am here in person with none other than L-Man Jenny Feldy. Well, it's great to see you. Senior correspondent, Charlie Saladino. How you doing, folks? Oh, I love it. This is a wonderful con that you took me to, Mark Torres. I love it. It's fascinating and beautiful and uplifting and whimsical and fancy and fantastical. Well, I think we should mention which convention we're at first. We are at the Tropicon! Yes, the Tropicon of 2022. Um, I wasn't here last year, so you guys did come to the convention last time? That's right. Charlie, we came last year and it was, it was beautiful. It was a wonderful time, but this time is magic and sorcery on a level that I have never experienced. What levels do you normally experience of magic and sorcery? Well, I thought I'd be experiencing some sorcery and magic all year, but this was a positive energy sorcery that I have not experienced in several weeks. And it was very uplifting. And I recommend that anyone that wants to uplift their souls and possibly gather themselves away from reality as we know it to come to the Tropicon. And this will be going on in 2023 and 24. So what about you, Charlie? What are your thoughts on the Tropicon? Well, I, I sort of reflect what Jen says when she says, it was a great concert. No, it is a great con. And, uh, you know, again, uh, thanks, Patrick, for the hospitality. And I think this year I've seen more young anime cosplays than I've ever seen in one place. So that's the thing that impressed me. Again, everybody, it was easy to move. A lot of space. It was nice. And uh, it was nice uh, a crowd, yeah. No crowds, no one bumping into you, no bad smells, there's good food, there's creators, there's artists, there's positive attitude, there's dancers. What more could you ask for? What more could you ask for? What is the one thing that you didn't see here that you would have liked to have seen? A massage. Nobody has given me a massage. 
So, Charlie, would you like a massage also at the Tropicon? No, I would. I would just like to get the hell out of here after this wrap-up. No, I, I would love a massage. Who doesn't love a I massage? I will not feel satisfied until I have gotten a massage today. Yes, we have to go to the massage table. That's it. That's all that's missing. All right, so Patrick, if you're listening, uh, next year make sure you have a massage table. I have been to a convention that had a tattoo table. Oh. So a massage table is not that far removed of what can be done at a convention. Maybe a waxing station to remove the hair. But, you know, some people have hair that's unwanted. I don't think I would ever want to go to a convention that had a waxing <laughs> station. <laughs> so if anyone's listening, please make sure there's a massage table and a waxing table at your con. No, a, a massage table, but not a waxing no, table. No waxing table. Charlie, would you <laughs> go to a convention that has a waxing table? Only if they gave Brazilian waxes. That's right. A man after my own heart. So, as always, I want to be um, upfront with how the convention is. I thought it was really enjoyable. Um, though I always like to say one complaint, if I had a complaint about this place, is that, uh, which is not their fault, by the way, certain parts were super cold, and I'm a very oh, cold running person. True. So, there were some like cold spots. Okay. But it's not his fault. It's right. just something I just wanted to mention, that there were cold spots, and some of the people, if you were in a certain booth, you'd be in the cold spot, as opposed to what normally happens in a convention, is the hot spot. So I think it's a very uh, different route. I mean, you uh, remember seeing the cold and hot spots other places in conventions. Exactly. Yeah. I, uh, let me tell you something. I just uh, was loving the whole deal here. It, it was uh, beautiful. We met old friends. Um, we actually get to be live in person. This show gets to be live in person. Uh, thrilled to see you. Not as thrilled as I am to see Jen. Well, she's a lot, <laughs> he speaks a lot the truth. prettier than you are. Thank you. But, wow. uh, and I'm sure you feel the same way on the other side. Perception yeah, um, is a funny thing. It's great to just be together again live. So what is your final takeaway from the Tropicon? What is the one thing you want to tell people that makes this convention different than all the other ones? I would say um, come in, the, the feeling is, is friendly. At the minute you walk in the door, it, it is a, a good feeling. All the conventions you go to, it's sort of like, you know, it's a big, big place. This is big without being big. It's like, you know, old home week. And, uh, but it's, it's a nice sized place, don't get me wrong. It's just that it's more warm. So what is your takeaway from this? It's perfect. As Goldilocks was here, she'd say, it's perfect. There's perfect parking. The temperature is only cold for five minutes. It's not so small and intimate that you feel like you got to talk to everyone. It's, that could be a little bit, uh, and it's not so big that you feel like you're lost and you don't matter. It's a perfect size. It would be almost the perfect temperature. Uh, it's just great. It's good vibes, and I would come back again, even if I wasn't part of this radio show with Mark, making me do these interviews. So I say this, my final thought on the uh, Tropicon, is that I really think um, Patrick makes the convention. It's, it's all about Patrick, and he really, you see him hustling and running up and down these halls, trying his best to make sure everybody is doing well. So I want to give an extra shout-out to Pat Madden uh, for running the convention, for running a good convention. Everybody seemed pretty darn happy. It was a happy energy, a very positive energy. And he, as, as he said himself when we were talking to him earlier, 
it's a family to him. If you're part of the Tropicon, you're part of the family. So I feel like a neglected part of the family because we didn't talk very much, Patrick. So Pat, that's uh, that's on you. So next time you got to come down, you got to come on to the show to talk to Jen next time. But okay, I like silence. I like silence. Sorry. But with that, we'll take a break and we'll be right back. We came from the radio. Ever wanted to enter the world of comics but didn't know where to start? Worry not, true believers. We at the Comic Book School may just have the answer to your questions. Created by comics veteran Buddy Scalera, the Comic Book School is a free online educational resource that helps rising creators learn the craft and business of making comics through resources like forums, interviews, publication opportunities, publisher guidelines, and step-by-step blog posts. For more info, please visit our site at www.comicbookschool.com. Be sure to join our forums and follow us on social media while you're there. We'll see you on the message boards. Now, back to our show. And welcome back to We Came From the Radio, for show of the Big Apple Con. This is your host, Mark Torres, speaking with me via virtual distancing. Of course, we have none other than a creator of uh, Tales From Beyond or Tales Beyond. Tales Beyond. Tales Beyond. We have Chris Burgo. Say hi, Chris. Hi, how's it going? It is going quite well. Now, we've had you on our live show uh, a little while back. So let's just do a quick uh, jump from what has happened since you've been on our live show till right now. All right. Well, uh... From the last time I think I was with you, uh, I think it was like a year ago or so, um, I've been basically uh, doing my own comics still. I just, I released a couple of weeks, uh, months ago, Vizards. It's my newest comic. It's about, uh, you know, <clears throat> uh, secret organizations fighting over magical masks, because that's what the word Vizard is. It actually is an archaic word for masks uh, or disguise. Um I've also, uh, I was working with Buddy Scalera on his uh, Beeline Comics line, and uh, that, uh, I, I'm about to drop actually uh, my next comic, which is called Ward the Veil, and it's a, it's a ghost story. So how do we go from masks and wizards to ghosts? Masks and wizards to ghosts. Um, you know what? Uh, ghosts is something that, like, I've had this concept brewing for years and i just have not uh you know i haven't had been able to make any strides on it um and it was something i was kind of afraid to do uh without you know finding the right you know creators to help me out and i'm actually working on it with this guy uh jared elman who uh he did the uh comic book school anthology uh both years uh that i did it as well and his art is just incredible and um buddy was looking for something that was going to be you know family friendly but there were and there were other creators because the comic was originally supposed to be a flip book with uh two creative teams uh you know one half the book has one story the other half the book has another story and he wanted something you know down earth family friendly easily digestible and everything and uh unfortunately you know for various reasons uh we had one creative team drop out we had another creative team come in and they also ended up having to drop out uh and so i'm alone on the book uh, it's just my story uh being introduced by beeline and it's uh you know it's it was an opportunity for me to work with somebody else that worked on the anthology and jared was the the first artist that i was like i gotta work with this guy so okay. yeah so um, they always say you're supposed to write what you know. Now, uh, in a previous uh, interview, uh, you did mention that you uh, uh, work at a dojo. 
Is it your dojo or do you just work at the dojo? I'm just the head instructor at a dojo. Yeah. Okay. So how come we don't have any dojo <laughs> comics? <laughs> we have visitors. <laughs> we have ghosts. Is it a, how, how do you get the connection? Where's the, where's the, where's the, where's the thread? Where's the common thread here? You, you know what? Um, <clears throat> uh, the, the martial arts thing, it's one of those, like, eventually I'll do it. Eventually I will do it. But uh, when, when, you know, some people use their creative outlet to get away from what they're doing. And that's what I'm definitely doing. It's like, I, I I'm, I'm like, a, you know, 24 seven martial artist. Uh, you know, working the nine to five kind of thing all the time. And when I dive into my comics, I'm like, I want to get as far away from that stuff as possible. <laughs> because especially on those bad days where it's like, oh, man, it's a rough day of teaching. Uh, the students were a little rowdy or, you know, parents are complaining or something. And it's like, you know what? I definitely don't want to deal with martial arts right now. <laughs> so it's it's actually funny. We've had a, a friend of the show for a long time, um, Kuram Metabalin. I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing your name, but uh, he's like a doctor doctor and he writes comics and he was always saying about how that's like his escape that, he, you know, he works in the hospital. He has, you know, he deals with all that all the time and the comics is just a release. And it's weird how when you're doing one thing all the time, that's the last thing you want to do when you're trying to have that creative outlet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. I can understand everybody. Like that. <laughs> yeah. But on the same, on the same aspect, because you teach martial arts, which as far as I know, it's about a lot of it is about discipline. Do you use those disciplines when you're creating your, your stories and when you're doing your work for that type of a property? Um, well, when, when, if you're talking about like discipline, like uh, do I sit my tail down in front of the computer and I say, I'm going to spend next three hours on this, <laughs> then yes, that's the type of discipline I use. Um but uh, as far as like, do I take any, uh, you know, morals or anything that we teach as far as like, because we have like these, these student mat chats for our younger ones, where we're supposed to instill like, you know, moral knowledge on them and everything. Um, do I use any of that stuff? Like we're talking about integrity this month. And I'm like, all right, well, how am I going to get integrity in the comp? No, I don't do that. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Fair enough. I meant, uh, I meant sitting down and just doing the work. Um, that was yeah. the aspect I was trying to get to. Yeah, definitely. Do you find that it's better to work in that fashion when you're when you're writing a story, or do you find that you should take as many breaks as possible and let the story tell itself? Oh, that's actually a really good question. I've 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 had different experiences with it. I will tell you, I'm the type of person that I'm a groove writer. So uh, when I sit down. I sit down and I start writing and what's in my head gets typed. Um, and when the ideas are running dry and like some people will say, Oh, I've hit a wall or something. I'm like, no, that's time for the break. But I will definitely sit there for, I've, I've sat down and worked on a project for 10 hours straight. Wow. And pe yeah, people are like, yo, you got to eat when you're coming <laughs> out to coming out of your cave. And I'm like, wait, what time is it? <laughs> and it, it's totally true but then there are times I'm like I sit down for half an hour and I'm like I'm drained I got nothing hmm. um so I, I I definitely like uh once I get my groove and I'm in a good groove I can go until like you know whatever but uh if I do feel like I got nothing in the tank for the day I don't I don't I don't do I don't do a lot of forcing 
if I force it, I tend to feel like whenever I go back to it, I'm like, why would I do this? This is just not up to par with, you know, my good stuff. So yeah, it's, it's how I'm feeling. Um, and, uh, I like, I'll try to set a time or something like, okay, I'm going to try to work on this from like 12 until three, or, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to take my whole afternoon and use, use it for creating stuff. But, uh, I do my best not to force myself into working because that's when, you know, the, the ideas are, they feel forced and whenever thing and whenever anything feels forced, it doesn't feel good. Well, fair enough. So when you're writing a certain genre, because you've done three different genres, if I'm not mistaken, do you look at other people's works in comparison? Like, oh, I shouldn't do that, or I should do that, or that's the kind of thing I like to do, or is it just you're in a bubble when you're creating? Um, <clears throat> I like to be in a bubble at first and uh, get what I know and what I'm used to or uh, what I want to do, get that on the page or in the, in the computer in the system whatever however you want to call it and then once that's all fleshed out and done my way then i'll start to like hmm let me see let me see how this person did it for this story or this how did they do it for this and that's when i might say okay it's a little too similar to that let me tweak it or oh i like the way this was done a little bit more don't let me copy it but let me let me flesh it out in a way that's uh in a better direction for the story overall so yeah Usually I don't start from, hmm, let me, let me see what that cat's doing. Usually I'll finish with that. Okay. Now you said that uh, this uh, new project was supposed to be a flip book, uh, two different stories, and it was supposed to be family friendly. Um, is it still family friendly? Um, let's talk about family friendly for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it, it is. Uh, it has been censored and everything. Um, I've, I've been wanting to do this horror story. Like this is supposed to be an absolute horror, like ghost, like thrillathon type story uh, for a while now. And I did have to tone it down. However, with that said, the language that I was planning on using got toned down. Okay. The, the art, the art ratchets it up. And I, I really do think this is some stellar artwork that is truly creepy. There are, there's a couple of pages that make you, that make your skin crawl a little bit. Mm. yeah kind of like so, good advertisement <laughs> yeah yeah it, it was good it was good it's uh for the the, the, the quick one-liner on it is um in a world where uh the the veil between life and death has thinned uh ghosts are starting to inhabit our plan our, our plane of existence again and vigilante ghost hunters are going around and uh in teams trying to exercise ghosts and stuff. Mm -hmm. And in this story, uh, it's about uh, a couple of vigilantes who team up against a babysitter who is haunting her former family that she used to babysit for. <laughs> all right. All right. Um, yeah. So do you, because this is a visual medium, do you have to put a lot? Well, not do you. How much faith do you have to put into the artist to interpret what you're describing when you're making a story like this? Um, I, I, I can't applaud Jared enough uh, because I gave him, I, I gave him some ideas and I told him, all right, I want it to be like, like I want the ghost to be there, not just to be a woo boogie boogie kind of floating in air kind of thing. I wanted it to be there. And he did a really solid job of not making it seem like the ghost is a zombie 
but at the same time making it just feel supernatural. And uh, he, he did a really solid job working with me as far as uh, bringing the overall concept to life, bringing the reactions of the characters to life, um, because uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's a weird concept. Uh, if I went a little deeper, I would just tell you that like the story is supposed to be uh, Ghostbusters and Supernatural meet the Hurt Locker. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, because uh, it, because the, the the whole story is supposed to be told from the point of view of uh, the instigator in the vigilante group, and he's uh-huh. the guy that basically kicks down the door, starts taunting the ghosts while wearing a giant bomb suit, like homemade bomb suit. Uh, and he's getting whipped up around the house or the apartment and getting his tail beat left and right, all just to try to trick it to get into a spirit trap. And once it's in the spirit trap, the rest of the team comes in and exercises him and everything. So, yeah, he's he's supposed to be that guy in a can with all this supernatural nonsense that's ready to take him out all around him. And Jerry did a really solid job. Uh with the creep factor of the story. All right. So we're almost, we had about two minutes to go. So almost out of time. So let's hit the social media platforms. Where can people find more about you, more about the work and where can they find out about the book? All right. Well, uh, you can find me on tales beyond, uh, on Instagram, uh, tales beyond on Facebook. If you want to follow me personally, it's Chris.Burgos on Instagram. Um, if you want to see me on Twitter, which I'm really horrible about, even though it's supposed to be like the, the social media platform for writers, uh, <laughs> on uh, Twitter, it's Live Tales Beyond. Um, and if you want to see, you know, any of my books that I have released, uh, go to TalesBeyond.com. All right. So um, I guess the final question is, um, what scares you? Spiders. <laughs> <laughs> um, Just simple. <laughs> Like just regular spiders, like killer mutant spiders, like ghost spiders, just regular good old fashioned spiders. No, no, man, you give me those one inches. Those guys, those guys are enough to. No, um, those scare me. Um, but at the same time, I'm I'm also actually uh, I I'm scared of uh, uh, that thing beyond the veil. Literally, like uh, uh, when when people talk about religious horror like possession or demons and stuff like that. There's nothing you can do about that. If a demon is actually there and he wants to possess you or mess with you and start throwing things around your apartment, what are you going to do? There's nothing you can do. So it's like that, that honestly scares me. All right. So with less than a minute to go, do you have any final thoughts? Um, No, just check out my work, uh, please. Uh, Again, talesbeyond.com is where to see it. If you want to check out anybody else's work, like Jared's work or something like that, um, you know, you can find links at my website. Uh, you can also look up comicbookschool.com. Um, it's a good source uh, for anyone who's uh, looking to get into comics. All right. So my final thought is this. Uh, thank you for being a guest on the show. It's great to have you back. And it's great to see that you're continuing your comic book career and much more continued success. Well, thank you very much. And uh, again, uh, thank you for having me, you know, because, you know, you're a great guy. The show's awesome. And, uh, you know, it's been awesome all right so with that we're going to take our break and we'll be right back with the came from the radio hey guys this is christy from custom cakes by christy i want you to know that i'm here for you 
I'm keeping my private kitchen open for any needs your family may have. I've been focusing on bread, soups, muffins, quiches, and other basics, but I'm still accepting dessert orders as well. Please follow my Facebook for immediate pickup items. Private message me for custom orders. Custom Cakes by Christy, I-N-C-K-R-I-S-T-Y. Text me at 631-606-8166. This is the amazing question. And you're listening to It Came From The Radio. If you had any honor... You would listen to Sci-Fi.Radio, the sci-fi for your Wi-Fi. Kapla! Now, back to our show. So that about does it for this week on the Came From The Radio. Join us right here any week on this radio station. If you miss any part of this show, tough. go to our newly revised website, www.itcamefromradio.com. The archives will be up in a week or so. Check us out on such places as btd.radio, sci-fi.radio, IndieVolt.com. Check us out on our places such as Facebook, Instagram, YouTube page, Twitter. And always follow the cost-benefit ratio. If the benefits outweigh the costs, do it. If the costs outweigh the benefits, don't do it. Or just Google, it came from the radio. And we'll see you next week. You've been listening to It Came From The Radio with Mark Torres. The views of the show's hosts and guests did not necessarily reflect that of the management, owners, or staff of the station. We now return you to your earthly scheduled broadcast.